coming up. We're learning all about the writing process behind the new maze Blood Beckoning at Hallis Scream Orlando. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is day 16 of our 61-day Hauntathon, where we're counting down to Halloween by visiting a different haunted house every day here on the show. Today is Friday, September 16th, and there are only 45 days until Halloween. In this year's Hauntathon, we also have daily videos and even exclusive fan events. Links to everything are in the show notes. Today, the new maze for this year's Hallis Scream at SeaWorld Orlando is Blood Beckoning. Now in its second year, Hallescream Orlando has an overall theme, and there are main villains, which are sirens. This year, Scratch the Blood Siren has a dedicated maze called Blood Beckoning. Scott Swenson wrote the new maze, and today, he'll discuss what that process was like. And just a note here, the audio quality in the first half is pretty rough. It's really not normally the quality that we go with. That's all my fault. We were recording on location and I didn't check the mic. Sorry, but it does get better about halfway through. Anyway, here's Scott. Hi, my name is Scott Swenson with Scott Swenson Creative Development, and I am a writer, director, producer for attractions for theme parks, museums, zoos, and I have a certain love for Halloween. I'm so excited to be able to say this for the first time in my career as, a, as a, an outside contractor. I am the writer of the new haunted attraction that is going into Hollow Scream at SeaWorld Orlando, and it's called Blood Beckoning. And my career prior to being a, a, an outside contractor or sole proprietor LLC, which is my official title, I guess, was working with Bush Gardens, and I was part of the team that put together the, the very first Hollow Scream at Bush Gardens and worked with it for the first 15 years. I basically took a seven or eight year vacation and, and now I'm back as a contractor and working on working with a phenomenal team at, at SeaWorld Orlando to write the script and work with the designers in the initial pre-production phase for Blood Beckoning. Walk us through Blood Beckoning. What will guests experience when they go through from the story perspective? So when they came to me, uh, they said, we would like to do a haunt based on one of our sirens. Mm -hmm. The sirens, of course, are their iconic characters and each one of them represents something a little bit different. They wanted to focus in on Scratch. Scratch is the blood siren. And the story that we've created for Scratch is that she has built her temporary realm in an abandoned urban location to be determined to be discovered as guests go through. And what she's doing is she's using the homeless who are in this urban setting, she has transfixed them somehow to bring her the bodies she needs to drain them of their blood so that she maintains her beauty and her sexiness. Talk to me how it fits into the larger puzzle. Well, each of the sirens have a bone to pick with humanity. Mm -hmm. And this is this is the way Scratch has manifested that. She is the blood siren. And she's probably, the thing that excites me is she's probably the most frivolous, but also that makes her, I think, the most dangerous. But of course I'm biased. And um, guests will be able to see Scratch in, in the stage show as well. So they, there's, there's tie-in among different elements, right? Yes, and what's interesting about, about Blood Beckoning is Scratch will appear, she will be very recognizable, 
but you might see a slightly darker or more sinister side to Scratch than you will see in the show. Okay. The idea here is the character is the same, but she can morph herself slightly to become a little darker, a little more dangerous, and who knows, she may actually snatch someone from the audience. In a way, it's like an IP. You're, you're using characters that have already, already appearing in a stage show that aired last year. So every haunted attraction comes together in its own way. Mm -hmm. There is not one cookie cutter way, or at least I've not discovered one cookie cutter way to put together a haunt. This one had a very unique sort of path. I was told originally, we want something for scratch. Okay, so now we have the, the character, the, the, ideal, the idea behind it, and we know that it's going to be bloody. Got it. Then, the next level, they had seen a haunt, and, and knew a haunt that I had done at Busch Gardens in Tampa several years ago, that started in a subway station and utilized vampires. And they said, we want something that has the same sort of feeling as that. So now we have the essence and the entity of, of what the guests are going to experience, or what they're going to feel as they go through this haunt. And it, it also took us immediately to a broken down urban environment. Then we went through the actual location where it was, where it's being built. And the location itself is several buildings and outdoor spaces that have been cobbled together. And so the very first thing we did before I even wrote the story was to walk a potential path. And this was before they had even started any of the work on the, the structure. This is before, obviously before any of the designs had been done. And we let the environment help dictate some of the story progression. So it's, it's been a unique process, yeah. but I'm really pleased with how it's turned out so far. Again, I've, I, my, my responsibility for this particular haunt stops after the designs are done. Yeah. However, I have seen construction photos that have been sent to me, and the last thing that was said to me by one of the, the SeaWorld team is, Scott, I can hardly wait till you can see because your baby has grown up beautifully. <sighs> Talk to me about some of the design choices you made, maybe like color schemes or some of the lighting and whatnot. I have certain biases when it comes to haunts. I want to make certain that, especially if you're doing urban spaces, they look lived in, they don't look fabricated. Mm -hmm. So I want to make certain that there's that extra layer of gunk on the outside of them. I wanted to make certain that with the lighting, that so much of it appears to be motivated by the scenic. Mm. So it has not, it doesn't really have a theatrical style in it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of practical lighting. There's a lot of, well, because they're homeless people, there are a lot of fire pits and fire barrels and okay. that sort of yeah. thing with flickers. And, and, and I also wanted to make certain that as you enter into her realm, then there is this layer of elegance over this layer of decay. So it is, we, we talked a lot with the designers and when we were doing the sketches, we want her, when you finally reach the hub, when you finally reach where she has set up her throne room, we want people to recognize this is elegant, mm. but it's elegance overlaid in a dilapidated urban setting. Can you give me an example of how you created that, maybe one specific? It's difficult, it's difficult to say how it's going to pan out, but in the design, one yeah. of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to have this introduction of metallic gold and burgundy velvet. Because again, it says rich, it says blood, and if you look at velvet fabric, I love burgundy velvet, especially when we're talking anything about blood, because it moves like blood. 
When you see velvet moving, it has that undulation, that same sort of seductive quality that, that flowing blood has. It is all focused on Scratch. She is, she is the ultimate, most recognizable character. The, the homeless folks, or the folks that have been brought unwillingly into her service, are... I don't want to call them vampires, nor do I want to call them zombies. But they're sort of a hybrid of the two. They are acting without will. They have no, no will of their own. They are enacting her will. And they are enacting her will because she has called them. That's why it's called blood beckoning. They have, she has beckoned them to her service. And the guests, of course, play a role as well. The guests are the food to feed the, uh, the almighty scratch. I think, it's, I think it's essential to make certain that the guests are assigned a role. And that can be very complex or that can be very simplistic. The reason it's so important is it gives the other performers a way to interact with the guests. It also makes the guests, if it's done well, and I've worked on projects where it has and I've worked on projects where it hasn't, but if it's done well, the guests feel as though they aren't just passive they, they're active participants, they're not bystanders. And I think if you're walking through something, you need to feel as though you are engaged with the environment and engaged with those who live there. Always keep an eye out, if you know I've been involved with something, always keep an eye out for rabbits. And people have said, why do you throw rabbits as Easter eggs into these different, these different haunts? I was born in the year of the rabbit. My, my professional career, I was a puppeteer who did a rabbit for years on television. I have always snuck bunnies into something. Sometimes they're graffiti, sometimes it's the name of a character. Sometimes, big hint here, sometimes it's the name of a store that you walk into as part of the experience. Sometimes it's a book that's sitting on a shelf. Hint, hint, hint. Keep an eye out because you'll see them. One of the things I'm so excited about in working on this project is I get to work with the SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment team again because these are people that I worked with, worked with in very, very different relationships. And I have gone from being the director to being the, the producer. And it's so much fun because I get to work for them now. And walking into an environment like that is amazing because we already have a preconceived notion of how we're going to work together and these are already people that I respect and people that I know what their background is and it made my job really simple because they supported me I supported them and I I hope I hope that the end result is something that is greater than the sum of its parts Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantum.com slash demo. That's gantum.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. 
And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.